This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Wednesday, December 28, 2011. I'm Caleb Brown. Now more than ever, it's time to grapple with the Federal Reserve. So says former BB&T Chairman John Allison. We spoke at the Cato Institute's 29th Annual Monetary Conference held last month. In watching the Monetary Conference today, there's a lot more talk about uh, gold, about free banking, uh, more now than there has been in a while, at least according to Jerry O'Driscoll and, uh, and Jim Dorn, who's running this conference. How do, you, how do you react to that? I think it's good news. I think the Federal Reserve is second only to Congress in destroying wealth and well-being. I am a strong advocate of a private banking system based on a market-based monetary standard, which would probably be gold. Um, you know, th- the Federal Reserve, in theory, was created to, to reduce volatility in the economy. In practice, they reduce volatility in the, in the short term and create more problems in the long term because they don't let markets correct. And the correction process is, is necessary in free markets for long-term economic well-being. So, for example, letting housing prices do what they're going to do? I mean, we have a classy example in that the Fed, by expanding the monetary system and holding interest rates too low, created a bubble that led to the recent financial crisis. It ended up being a focus in housing primarily because of Freddie Mac and Fannie Mae, the giant government-sponsored enterprises that would never have existed in a, in a private market. Uh, when they failed, they owed $5.5 trillion, and they had $2.5 trillion in subprime loans. They were the big kahuna in the room that drove the affordable housing bubble. I, I may have heard you wrong, but at some point, I think you said that uh, BB&T never bought a subprime mortgage. Uh, BB&T did not get into the subprime lending business. Uh, part, it's funny, partly over ethics and partly over econ- economics. <clears throat> we thought that a lot of subprime lending was ultimately going to be very bad for our clients. We were encouraging people to do something that was economically destructive. And a, a really big example was a, with the so-called pick-a-payment mortgages where you could uh, come in and, and your interest expense was $1,000 a month, but you only had to pay $500 a month. So every, every month your mortgage got bigger. Um, they were sold in high-growth markets, and the theory was leverage yourself out of the kazoo boo. We didn't know we were going to have this bust in housing, but we knew house prices weren't going to increase 10% a year for perpetuity, and we knew we were setting up young people to get in financial trouble. So even though we could make money at the time, one of the commitments in our mission is to help our clients achieve economic success and financial security. And our life experience is if you do the right things for your clients long term, you'll be more successful. So we chose not to do that over ethics, really, not over economics. What bright spots do you see in the banking industry today? In, in, in U.S. banking? In some, I see an improvement relative to the financial crisis in the sense that most banks have gotten rid of a lot of their problem assets and have improved their credit quality. The dilemma facing the industry is twofold. First, our economy is very weak because, in my opinion, of bad public policies, and banks do reflect the economy. But the other big problem is this um, new banking law, the Dodd-Frank bill, which is a real destroyer of well-being in the financial industry and therefore is hurting our economy. It's 3,000 page long legislation and creates hundreds of more government regulators and regulatory agencies. The real threat is the so-called consumer compliance where it's not really consumer compliance, it's really credit allocation. If you want to control the economy and not be known as a socialist, control the banking industry control the allocation of capital. And that's really what Dodd-Frank does. It allows government regulators to determine who gets credit. 
Now, right now, they're being very conservative because they've just seen the last crisis. I guarantee in the long term, what they're going to do is force credit distribution, uh, credit availability to low-income consumers who are then going to get in financial trouble in the future again because of politics. And so Dodd-Frank poses a real risk not only to the industry, but to the economy in general. There was, I think, a bright spot in Dodd-Frank, which is, uh, and maybe they did it in a poor way, which is to reduce reliance on credit rating agencies and the opinions that those agencies issue. What do you think of that? I think the fundamental problem with credit agencies transcends Dodd-Frank in that the government, through the SEC, has basically created an oligopoly in credit rating. Standard Poor's, Moody's, and Fitch are the only entities allowed to rate financial instruments that are used by public pension plans and also <clears throat> originally uh, ratings of assets in banks. I think it's a good idea not to totally rely on those agencies, but what you really ought to do is take away those three entities specially created government sanction, government created oligopoly, and create a true free market in the rating agency business. Now, there are 10 nationally recognized statistical rating organizations now, right? They're recognized, but they do not have the same authority as, as Standard Poor's, Moody's, and Fitch. For, for uh, institutional investors. I, for I didn't know that. Yes. That's how Standard Poor's, Moody's, and Fitch got the, where they are. What's the bright spot that you see coming from a lot of the discussions you're hearing today? What's the highlight? Well, the bright spot is the first time in my lifetime there is really serious discussion about doing something about the Federal Reserve. I think there is an increasing awakening that a lot of our financial problems have been created by the Federal Reserve, that the very existence of the Federal Reserve allows the federal government to run its massive deficits. If we didn't have a Federal Reserve, if the government couldn't print money, Congress couldn't spend at the level they're spending at because the market wouldn't allow them to do it. And so that we're finally talking about actually doing something about the Federal Reserve. Now, I know it's still preliminary, but at least the discussion is out there. And people are recognizing that it has been a real big problem uh, for the economy is a beginning point in, in moving to a private banking system. John Allison is the former chairman of BB&T. We spoke at the Cato Institute's 29th Annual Monetary Conference held in November. You can watch the full event at Cato.org. 